0: Well, I tend to think of the golf swing as a poem. critical opening phrase of this poem will always be the grip, which the hands unite to form a single unit. Slowly and slowly, the club head is led back, pulled into position not by the hands, but by the body, which turns away from the target, shifting weight to the right side without shifting balance. tempo is everything perfection unattainable as the body coils now to the top of the swing. There's a slight hesitation, a little nod to the gods now the weight begins shifting back to the left pulled by the powers inside the earth
1: it's alive this swing a living sculpture and down through contact always down striking the ball crisply with character
0: there's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball oh boy well what's the other theory grip it and rip it
1: This is the Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club, presented by Core Golf, on Boston's home for sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Now, here's Hardy.
0: Welcome in to season number 10 of the Sports Hub Golf Club. We started this in 2013, so this begins our 10th season. Welcome uh, to the show. It's Hardy, and uh, thank you to everybody who's a part of the show this year, Hendricks Gin core golf we're going to have a lot of contributors throughout the year we're actually going to be speaking with somebody from core golf here in just a little while uh their new academy director a gentleman by the name of ian highfield uh who is at the masters and he is there with a player whom i think we all got a chance to see at least on the highlights earlier this week the 19 year old from the cayman islands First player to ever go to the Masters and play at the Masters from the Caymans, Uh, He is a freshman at UNLV, 19-year-old Aaron Jarvis. So Aaron is the player. Ian is the guy from Core and Natick. And when you hear Ian's voice, you will uh, immediately recognize he is not from these parts. But he joined Core earlier this year, and he's there as part of uh, Aaron's performance team. And uh, we're going to speak with uh, Ian Highfield here. In just a little while, we'll also talk with Luke Pergandi from PropSwap. My God, I've lost my mind this year with the Masters in terms of buying players and selling players and hanging on to players. And I got to know what to do because I'm, I am holding on to a uh, I am holding on to a Cam Cam Smith ticket right now. And as we uh, just talked about in the leaderboard here at the top, uh, Cam Smith is really he's playing in the final group as he is three strokes off the lead. And while anything can happen. And you know cliche 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 the the masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday. I feel it's kind of down to Scotty Scheffler and Cam Smith. at least that's how most people feel about it right now. So what do I do with this cam Smith ticket? It's only- I only spent ten bucks on it, but I have them at eighteen to one, so somebody stands to make a hundred and eighty dollars if Cam Smith wins. I would like that to be me but if I don't think that's going to happen, does it make sense to sell that ticket now? Uh, on Prop swap, which is why we're going to talk with Luke Brigandi later on in the show. But let's look at the leaderboard. Let's look at the leader specifically, uh, Scotty Scheffler, who looked like maybe he was going to run away with this thing early yesterday. He came into the third round at eight under par and had such a lead and was playing in in, in such a way that it looked like he really wasn't going to be caught. It just, it had the makings of, while, while there are no true runaways at Augusta, um, you know, when he was sitting at eight under par and the closest player was five strokes back, you just think, okay, well, what are we really doing here? Well, what we do is we wait for the winds to swirl around Augusta and we wait for, a handful of mistakes and a handful of guys to put together some really impressive rounds. But when he started yesterday, Scheffler goes out, he makes a par and a birdie and then another birdie on three. And you're thinking, Oh man, he's already got this thing to 10 under par. This is going to be a runaway. But then he made a bogey on four, couple more birdies on the back. So he makes the turn. You're thinking, all right, still looking like a runaway Starting on 12, so like right in the heart of Amen Corner, he makes a bogey on the par 3, 12th. Now he gets it right back with a birdie on the par 5, 13th, but then goes bogey, bogey on 14 and 15. 15 is the shocker. The par 5s. These guys hate making even a par on a par 5, but they'll take it. A bogey on a par 5. If there's one thing that's going to stick out to Scotty Scheffler today, it's probably making put it, having to put down a six on the scorecard, especially on a par five where other guys are making uh, mostly pars and birdies during the day. He managed to to make a par on the, on the par three 16th and another birdie at 17. But on the 18th hole last night, as Scotty Scheffler is sitting on a four-stroke lead, just needing a par on the 18th. That, what I would consider to be a pretty comfortable lead going into the final round of the Masters. He didn't quite pull his tee shot left. It, it's the equivalent of a, of a blocked shot to the right that just went left. Just kind of caught it off the neck of the club, it looked like. I think that's what Nick Faldo called it. Right off the neck is how he described it. And it went straight left into those trees. And as you know, we'll talk with, with Ian here in a few minutes who walked the course a a lot over the week. And I only had a chance to walk it um, last year, but that 18th tee box, it looks so treacherous. And you just, you wonder how any mortal could hit a tee shot that finds the fairway there because it just seems so narrow and so penalizing on each side. And sure enough, Scheffler puts his tee shot left into the trees It is close enough, however, to where he can get relief by taking two club lengths and going straight out to the right and giving himself what I thought was his best shot of the day. And that was a 242-yard three-iron off the pine straw that caught the edge of the green on the pin side on 18. It did roll off the back, though. He did not get up and down, and he ended up making a bogey on 18. So a 71 in the third round of the Masters when a lot of guys were were struggling on that day. Not all that bad, but Cameron Smith shot a 68. And now he is only three strokes off the lead going into the final round today. And a couple other players out there making a little bit of noise yesterday, but not enough to where... You would consider them, I think, real threats. I look at the leaderboard today, and again, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this out loud and to myself, and throughout the afternoon as things progress here. It's one of the it's one of the sports cliches that ends up holding true more often than not. This tournament starts on the back nine today. Scotty Scheffler's three-stroke lead might be gone by then. It might be six-strokes by then. But the tournament then starts on the back nine at Augusta. We've seen it before. I mean, I, I don't know how many times you need to to watch Jordan Spieth put two in the drink or even uh, the year that Tiger won in 2019, how guys just fell apart on 12, and that, that shot of him standing on the 12th green waiting for his two playing partners to take their drops and knocked their balls up onto the green while he waited there patiently. So while it looks like Shuffler should be a favorite, he is. Cameron Smith's only three strokes back. Sung J.M., five strokes off the lead. It takes a little bit more to convince me that Charles Schwartzel and Shane Lowry will be able to do anything at seven strokes back. But both of those guys shot in the 60s in the second round on a very tough day where the conditions were swirling and, the, and the, the numbers were ballooning, especially early on, and those guys both went sub-70 on Friday. So don't count out Schwartzel, Lowry, M., especially not Cam Smith, and don't necessarily bet your house on Scotty Scheffler winning this yet today. However, if he did, it would make sense because there is not a hotter player in the world than Scotty Scheffler right now. Uh, and and uh, there are a lot of people, casual fans, looking at Scotty Scheffler. Who is, Scottie? Who is this guy leading the Masters? Who is this guy? He's already won three times on the tour this year. He, the the crazy tournament Super Bowl weekend, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, he won that. The Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is a huge tournament for these guys. They love playing the Arnold Palmer. The, the, they love the course. Uh, they They love the prestige that comes with it. They love... Uh, Everything about it. He won that. He won the match play, which, okay, not your typical tournament. But for a 25-year-old to win three times in a year, I remember uh, five years after Tiger won the U.S. Open in 2008, and a lot of people thought he was done, he came back in 2013 and won five times on tour that year, and that was enough for him to be player of the year. And that was five times, winning five times in a year. We take it for granted now in the era of Tiger. Oh, of course he won five times in a year. That's unheard of. Scotty Scheffler's already won three times this year, and we're barely into April. So there isn't a hotter player in the world right now than Scotty Scheffler. So if he does end up winning today, and you want to seem smart about it, just say, well, of course he did. The guy's already won three times this year. That's ridiculous. You know, to get a couple wins in a year on the PGA Tour is hard enough. Uh, were you watching uh, Harold Varner yesterday? The uh, the guy from North Carolina got into the Masters by virtue of uh, beating Bubba Watson in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, he's he, I met him a couple of times over the years at the Deutsche Bank and the Dell. He's one of these guys that always seems to be hanging around on the weekends. He barely got into the Masters. He's never won on the PGA Tour. Scotty Scheffler's won three times this year. It's insane how well he's playing right now. So if he does end up winning it, we should have seen it coming. Did you bet on him? I did and sold the ticket the night before the Masters started because I didn't think he was going to (laughs) win. Too hot. (laughs) He was peaking too soon. That's how dumb I am. I, I, You know, I sold I sold it for three times the what I paid for it, but not nearly as much as I would cash if I actually held on to the thing and he ends up winning. Or if I even sold it right now, I can sell it for almost as much as it's going to pay out. So, uh, yeah, we should have seen this coming, you know. If you're in a Masters draft or in a pool or anything else, did you take Scotty Scheffler? It seems obvious now, number one player in the world, Won three times this year. Who did you pick first? John Rahm? Okay. I, I picked him. That was my first pick in one draft. Who else did you go with? I was in a draft where someone picked Victor Hovland. First, Not not his first pick, first overall. <laughs> There's some crazy stuff going on out there. It's not all that crazy. He should win based on the way he's playing. But it's still going to be fun to watch this afternoon. All right. Let's find out what's going on at Augusta with Ian Highfield. Uh, he's the new Academy Director from Core Golf. A little bit later on, we'll talk with Luke Pergandi from Prop Swap. We'll also talk about Tiger. I purposely did not mention the word Tiger Woods at the beginning here because I wanted to focus in on the guys who actually have a chance to win this thing. But what a story. What a, what a, what a fascinating story Tiger Woods has been this week. So we'll get to that a little bit later on this morning here on the Sports
1: Hub Golf Club. This is the Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club presented by Core Golf on 985 The Sports Hub. We're on car with more of the Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club with heart presented by Core Golf on 985 The Sports Hub.
0: As promised, uh, a man joining us now in the Sports Hub Golf Club who we're going to get to know a lot better throughout the course of this season. His name is Ian Highfield. He's the Academy Director at Core Golf in Natick. But, uh, Ian, you're in Augusta. So let's let's talk about that, and we'll get to all the Core Golf stuff later on, if that's okay with you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So uh, what brings you to Augusta this weekend?
2: So one of the students uh, that I coached, well, I've coached him for the last – three and a half, four years. uh, And he's also coached by uh, a coach that I work with regularly, Zach Parker, and and Zach's a great friend of mine. Um, We're we're sort of his team. Uh, And a few months back, he won the Latin American Amateur Championship. Uh, And it was awesome because I stopped coaching at court and made all the kids watch it. So we were all cheering him on. Uh, So he wins this huge amateur tournament, that actually got him an invite uh, to come and play in the Masters. So he's just played in the Masters as a 19-year-old uh, freshman out of UNLV, uh, first person from the Cayman Islands to, to ever be in the tournament. So it's been an unbelievable week just hanging around uh, and watching him do his thing.
0: You know, it's so funny because we were watching the tournament on the air on uh, on Thursday, I think, And Zolak said to me, as we're both trying to, you know, do a radio show but watching the Masters at the same time, he mentions, he's like, who's this kid? He almost knocked it in on twelve and i said yeah. i i don't know i wasn't watching at that moment he goes uh jarvis i'm like god that rings a bell and then it struck me it's like oh that's the guy that ian is working with you're on the team and you were the reason why you're in augusta is, as part of his uh, coaching and performance team there this so uh yeah he he uh, made a big splash there with his uh, tee shot on 12 during the first round
2: yeah he um so first round he hits 7 iron um, and until you've been there, you, you can never understand how narrow that green is. Like, it is unbelievable. And it's only a 150-yard shot. Um, so he hits this chipped little seven iron uh, because of the wind, sticks it to, to four feet, makes the pot, and then on Friday uh, hits it to, I don't know, seven inches, uh, pretty close, to be honest, to a, to a hole-in-one. And that would have been the first hole-in-one uh since 1988 on that hole so i'd have to do the math to even try and figure out how old aaron was then or even if he was born
0: <laughs> let's see 1988 uh, 1988? uh no. yeah see if he is born in 03 it sounds like 15 years before he was born they,
2: yeah so the the, the <laughs> uh, crazy right right so he and and then uh the best thing for me um you know i i he, he actually told me he was most nervous at the par three um, but the the best thing for me was seeing him overcome those first tee sort of nerves. And, I mean, he did an unbelievable job. But after he hits it to sort of six inches on Friday, he walks off the tee and he's getting the crowd going. He's giving them the waves. Uh, and then he nearly makes a hole in one and 16 as well, unbelievably.
0: Unbelievable. It's just
2: his highlight reel is absolutely uh amazing to to
0: watch it's so much fun to watch too and you can do it on the uh, masters app i think you can yeah i i'm sure they're doing yeah, it with can. all the players so you all you can, do yeah. is yeah you pull up his scorecard either o- online or on the app and then it's hole by hole so it, that's definitely worth a watch um and you're right and i've i've only been to the masters once i went last year and quite frankly i never understood the mystique of the 12th hole until you see it in person the way it's angled and and i yeah. and i said this before the the uh actual tee box is in such close proximity to 11 green uh we saw it in the third round uh i think it was charles schwartzel's tee shot that rolled up on yep. the on the 11th uh 12th tee box uh his yep. his approach on 11 rolled up on 12 tee box so it's this weird angle the green is is cut away from you and it may only be 150 yards but it is just a just a treacherous looking shot and for him to hit those shots uh on those days incredible that's just incredible absolutely
2: absolutely there'll, there'll be some um Seriously big names that would buy that off him tomorrow, I'm sure. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit uh, about the way things started there. And again, Ian, are, are you inside the ropes or were you inside the ropes, I should say, walking so, with Aaron?
2: No, you're, you're not allowed. So th- I've been to um, a lot of events on the European tour. Uh, I've been to a couple of really cool events over in like Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Fiji. And I've always walked inside the ropes with, with the players. Um, But this year, my credentials, they started on Monday. So I wasn't actually allowed inside the ropes. Um, I had to basically follow like a a patron, but I was allowed on the practice facility. Uh, I was allowed in the clubhouse. Uh, I was allowed to the media section and and really anywhere Aaron wanted me to be uh, except um, inside the ropes. Uh, So his other coach, Zach Parker, he came for some practice rounds with him uh, prior to this week, uh, and he was allowed inside the ropes. During the but practice as of rounds, Monday, yeah. Yeah, during the practice rounds. As of Monday, no coaches inside the ropes, even in the practice round. And then on the range, um, only one coach at a time with Aaron. Wow. Which, again, is another rule that whenever I've been to Toribet Vents before, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a, I'm a bit part player in the team. You know, I'm someone that the main coaches bring in for a certain type of support, either with practice or the mental game. So I'd normally I have a role, I stand there, they'll ask me questions or I'll step in, I'll take notes. Uh, but this year, uh, sorry, at the Masters, you have to do it from, you know, as far back as, <laughs> as you can. Right, right, And then Zach might call me in and we have to switch out. So it's kind of hard it's kind of tricky but again you know respect to the masters because I think they do it so that the the patrons can watch the warm up they don't want lots of coaches blocking the the view cuz this is all designed right for the fans absolutely Um,
0: yeah and it and it works it makes sense i mean from from seeing it there's there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of people there's it's it's normally uh and again just from my one experience last year it's a player in his caddy down there on the range that's it
2: yeah yeah and then there's no measuring devices so some of the devices zach might have used uh, on the putting greens you're not allowed to put them down you can't use measuring devices in the practice rounds to get slopes. You're not allowed to use a stint meter to get pace. And you have to use this year's yardage book. Um, Again, which is a a very different rule. And if a player gives you information, you're not allowed to write that in your yardage book. You have to experience it yourself to be able to write it in there. So Aaron had his yardage book checked. When they say it's a tradition like no other, Like you can see that it's true if you visit it, but then if you have this experience with the rules and the regulations. It's so different from any event that I'd ever been to that I was definitely making rookie mistakes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Ian is no rookie. He is the uh, academy director at Core Golf in Natick, and uh, uh, one of his guys, Aaron Jarvis, who is the 19-year-old from UNLV, from the Cayman Islands, but a freshman at UNLV, uh, was uh, was one of the amateurs playing this year. You had to have been proud of him the way he he kind of came back and, and recovered a little bit because it, w- it was a bit of a shaky start uh, from, from what I saw with his, his first two holes. And uh, I believe he ended up saving par on two on Thursday. And, and is that when his nerves kind of calmed down, do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what, what happened, you know, the, the, the first tee is something he's never experienced. Um, the first two holes are just really, really, really hard um and he actually hit it in the right trees off one and he was looking right and i was like please god chip out sideways (laughs) and he was very very mature chipped out sideways made a great hit it on the green made a great two put for bogey um and you know i really think that the score on day one doesn't reflect how he played um, it was just, it was just so hard out there. Statistically ball striking, he was as good as, if not better than Zach Johnson, but Zach Johnson just knew the greens. He was just getting up and down from everywhere. He just had that little bit more, well, a lot more information from past experiences where he could just pick different landing zones or if the chip was super hard, Zach would hit it to eight feet. 'Cause he knew that pot and he knew it was the straight pot and right. Aaron just didn't didn't have that. Aaron actually hit one on six, he hit it over the back of the green, he chipped, the chip ran down a slope to fifty feet, he putted, the putt went all the way up the hill and all the way back to his feet. Wow. You know and and then he two putted from fifty feet for double. Yeah, it's, so it's when
0: it's, it's, unbe- un- it's unbelievable, but you see it not only from you know an amateur like Aaron, but you know we we've seen it over the over the past few days from from players with experience yeah. at Augusta. Those greens are treacherous, and unless you remember every nuance of every hole, that's going to happen to to some of the best players in the world who have played this course many times before.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's just so hard that's that's all i can say like it it, it's just so demanding um you know i aaron's last tee shot of 18 he absolutely spanked it it was perfect like a big power fade um and he tells me hey only just missed the the branch on the left tree like that shoot is so narrow
0: It's it's funny you say that, because earlier in the week I was talking with uh, with uh, with another amateur who played at at the Masters, uh, a local guy, Matt Parziali. And I asked him, I said, man, that shoot on 18 looks really, really narrow. And he said (laughs) and he he wasn't trying to, like, you know, be a smart ass about it. He said, it's really not. You really only have to keep it straight for like the first 200 yards like oh okay <laughs> well yeah. if, if that's all you have to do then i guess it's not all that bad but you know to some players it it well, it, it just doesn't seem that bad uh but it, i'm glad i'm glad Aaron kind of copped to it because it does look like uh the the final approach on the death star that that play- that shoot on 18t
2: a player i worked with on PGA Tour Canada was walking with me at that time we bumped into each other he knew i was coaching Aaron so he decided to, to come and watch and we bumped into each other and he looked at me, he was like, Dude, if I'm hitting this shot, I might lay up short of the shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I might hit seven eye into the shoot and then go again. Right. And this is a guy who's on PGA Tour Canada, a right. collegiate player, ex collegiate yeah. player. You treat like, it like it a par five. Tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's- it is so tough. It's
0: crazy. Um so Ian. You and I, we've already talked a couple of times, and, and people are going to be hearing uh, more of our conversations throughout the season. You and I uh, could talk for a long time together. So I, I I I don't want to cut this off, but I do want to ask you before you go, uh, any other great Masters experience that you want to share with us? Did you have the egg salad? Did you have any run-ins with uh, some fun people? Anything else fun happened uh, there this week?
2: Yeah, so I guess for me um – Zach's been a a friend of mine for such a long time. He was best man at my wedding. Um, I think walking up 18 with him on Friday, it was like very emotional for us, first major. We did it together kind of thing. So proud of Aaron because we've known him since he was 15 years old. So that was a, a, a big thing for me. Um, I ripped through all the sandwiches. I tried every single one. Good. I think the chicken, the classic chicken was my favorite. Okay. The pimento, the pimento one was a little bit heavy. Um, but I guess another cool thing, uh, and I'll, I'll leave you with this one today. I'm, I'm with Aaron, his family. Um, we're all chilling out, just waiting to, to walk out. Uh, and we see the crowds building and cause I'm with a player, I can be in the clubhouse area. Uh, and we saw Tiger walk into the first seat. So it was me, Aaron, Zach, a few other people, and we literally stood there. And Tiger was probably five feet away from us as he cruised to the to the first tee. And it's like, it's like not even real. Yeah, just, just another. And
0: but in that moment, he's just another guy playing in the same tournament, and you have to just be cool about it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just all in all, just an amazing experience and sharing it with him and being in his house with with the family and. Just just so many memories. I can, barely, I can barely get them out. I can barely think of them now you've asked me that question. Is it
0: true that Aaron asked uh, to play a practice round with Tiger, and Tiger said, no, thanks, I'm playing alone today?
2: <laughs> yeah, t- so he didn't just ask him. He saw him on – he was on 10. He saw him on 11. He ran through the trees. <laughs> Mr. Woods, Mr. Woods, Mr. Woods. <laughs> and he's like, you're playing alone, I'm playing alone. What do you think? He's like, no, I'm just going to do my thing. Saw him on the putting green after – had a 10 minute conversation and Aaron said, I got so much advice. And he said, you know, Tiger's thing was just be yourself. And, And Aaron is a, an extroverted kid, a fun kid, um, from the Caribbean islands who loves to joke around, loves to laugh. And he, he's carried himself like that all week. So, um, followed Tiger's advice literally as as well as he possibly could it, it's been amazing to watch
0: that's great well Ian Highfield academy director core golf at the Masters this week uh, as uh, one of the team members for Aaron Jarvis the 19 year old from the Cayman Islands uh playing out of uh, UNLV as a freshman uh, at the Masters in uh, please tell Aaron I said congratulations on a great week. Uh, loved seeing him throw those darts in on the par threes. And uh, you and I are going to be talking again next week, and and often throughout the season. I look forward to it.
2: I do, and you wouldn't believe it. He's hitting balls now in the back garden practicing. Of course he so, is. Of course right. he is. That's
0: <laughs> that's why hit. That's why he's great, and the rest of us suck because he's out there working <laughs> on his game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to chat to you uh sometime again. Uh and, and you know, really uh, start talking golf and uh a bit more to do with core.
0: We will do it all season long. Uh Ian, thanks again and uh we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, Hardy Stay tuned for more golf,
1: the Hendrix Gin Sports Hub Golf Club, presented by Core Golf. We've got the right club for your swing. This is the Hendrix Gin Sports Hub Golf Club with Hardy. Presented by Core Golf on 98.5 The Sports Hub.
0: Back on the Sports Hub Golf Club with another guest, uh, Luke Pergandy, our friend from PropSwap. Uh, this, is, this is such a great weekend for PropSwap. Luke, thank you for taking the time, and thank you for suffering through all my uh, personal questions I've had for you—not questions, just comments and uh, things over the last three or four days. It's been very stressful for me. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, you're making money, you know. Okay, you want to <laughs> know? It's both.
0: Do you want to know the current tally right now and all the all the uh, the uh, the wagers that I made? So I yes. I bought. Let's see, uh, twenty-nine players. Uh, at uh, at the Brooklyn, New Hampshire, uh, anywhere from uh, ten, $10 or $20 um, to win the Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I have sold 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17 of them. I have sold 17 of those bets, and four of them have been for a profit. So not bad, you know? Not bad. Now, here's the, here's the good news and the bad news. I I am sitting on a Cam Smith ticket right now. Okay. That's the good news. The bad news is I sold my Scotty Scheffler ticket the night before the Masters started because his odds had skyrocketed, and I thought, I'm just going to cash in right now, and um, apparently I'm doing it wrong. So,
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, the Scheffler thing, you know, We've talked at length on this interview oh when we've discussed that all tickets, you should be making two. We call it go for two. So you should be making identical tickets on yeah. every one of those call for. So if you sold one of those Shuffler tickets before it started, A, you made money. That's a fact, right? You, you profited on that sale. But B, you'd have another one in your pocket coming into uh, today's today's matchup.
0: I don't know if you ever told me that before because we can't uh, we can't, uh, you know, place the bet in Massachusetts. I didn't know I was supposed to buy two bets <laughs> on every guy. Are you sure you told me that before? Yes.
1: Yes. I'm positive. Damn well, it. Now, now you know.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I did buy a couple of I bought a couple on Morikawa. Fat load of good. That did me. I bought two on John Rahm. Fat load of good. That did me. So it must have sunk in at some point, but I should have done it for Scheffler and I should have done it Actually, for for Cam Smith, but I think he's the most interesting ticket to be holding right now and to be shopping for at this hour on Prop Swap.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you know people ask me all the time, like, what's a good rule of thumb on when I should sell my ticket? And my answer is typically anytime you can get minus money for your ticket. So obviously, if you have a shuffler ticket and you can se- sell that at minus money, you're leaving such a small amount of money on the table. By doing that, I would do that, and then I would pick up a Cam Smith ticket. um, And if you have two of them, my goodness, just sell one of them, like in some cash and uh, ride the rest of the wave here.
0: So I'm wondering what to do. I have Cam Smith right now at 18-1 to odds to win the Masters. I'm, and, and, and this is the great thing about prop swap, uh, Luke, I'm telling you, man, this was so much fun the last couple of days because I had, you know, I listed all my tickets and then I just go on and you guys do the suggested price based on what the current odds are. So you can, right. you know, juice that price a little bit if you want. It's, it's really a lesson in economics, trading price, you know, you know, you know, uh, making yeah. prices and all that stuff, what I want the minimum bid to be. But this is, uh, I, you know, I got to make a decision here or do I wait? Do I wait and maybe try and sell it during the round today? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, like we kind of discussed with, like, if you had a North Carolina ticket last week, and I want to tell you about this parlay that we sold. It was a a Kansas uh, Scheffler parlay. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I would sell that today, sell the Kansas Smith ticket right now, and then find another one on Browsob, or if you can get down somewhere else, great. Um, Sell that now while he's, like, plus 150, It's about what he was. Uh, obviously, uh, getting that penalty shark at 19 was great. Um, so sell that now and then just go reinvest in cam, right? You've, you've come so far. If he, if he bogeys, you know, the, one of the first few holes, you're, you're in trouble and you walk away with nothing.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I see what you're saying. I think, uh, although
1: just sell, sell it for, <laughs> sell it for a profit, sell it for a profit okay. and then just re go, go bet cams current odds. Whether on Prop Swab, whether you have know, you can get down somewhere else, just you've came so far in this Cam Smith ticket, you know, to walk away with nothing it seems silly, but lock in five times, seven times what you paid for it right now, and then just go rebat Cam Smith.
0: Yeah, if he's at plus one fifty right now, I think I'm locking in closer to like eight times what I paid for it. Yep. Okay. All right, good. Yep. Uh, well, tell me about the uh the parlay.
1: Yeah, five five dollar bet. It was on Kansas and Kansas to win the national championship, of course that cash, and Scheffler to win the Masters. He sold a five dollar ticket for eighteen hundred. No, on Propslop this weekend. Oh. It was incredible! My
0: God, what was what's the payout on it?
1: Uh, about twenty six hundred.
0: What a gr- oh my! God. I love that. I and how random. How freaking yeah, random so, is that? So random. Oh, I love it. Okay, so there's all these cool tickets up there that you can still buy and sell and move tickets today on Prop Swap. I'm telling you, it gets addictive. Uh, but thank goodness for DVR because I, I I made the mistake a couple of times, missed some shots. So no, and I need to uh, you know look at tickets that are coming up and uh, you know leave your notifications on so they'll it'll alert you when you know tickets are moving or something gets a bid or it sells. It's so much fun, though. So uh, you're right, Luke. That th- this is your busiest uh, g- uh, tournament, and w- your busiest week for a reason. This, I yeah. mean, prop swap is made for events like the Masters. You know,
1: it just gives you so many more betting options versus just buying and holding for the whole four days. It's just it's a lot more enjoyable to be just given be given options to be buying and selling each guy. And uh, it was close. I thought that Shefford was going to run away with this thing. He was down to like minus four fifty at a point on Saturday, but um, it looks like it's going to be a race, so that's great for gamblers.
0: Yeah, and I believe me, even the tickets that I sold at a loss, I was happy to it, to not lose every single penny on players like John Rom and Tommy Fleetwood. I actually did okay on those when I sold them, uh, based on where they are now, because you know they're they're, they're useless if you hang on yep. to them until the end. But I sold them, you know, a couple of days ago, and uh, good, I got something for them. Great.
1: Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Not, is, are those guys going to make you millions? Obviously not because they you know, they, did, they didn't did finish well, but you got you get a couple sandwiches out of it, pay for some beers over the weekend, and move on.
0: All right. Hey, Luke, always good to talk to you, buddy. I'm sure we'll do it again here soon. So uh, thanks for all the advice over the weekend. PropSwap, uh, get the app and go to PropSwap.com. And Luke Pergandy, thank you. We'll talk soon.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Hardy. You're listening to the
2: Hendricks Gin Sports Hub Golf Club, presented by Core Golf on 98.5 The Sports Hub.